The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? Baby, Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome back to the program. It is, uh, well, it's our favorite day of the week. Yes, yes, it is. That chance to sound off on issues that uh, you care about and are important to you and, uh, well, so much more. Thanks for coming in and joining us on this beautiful uh, firearms Friday. Boy, I can't believe we got to the end of the week so quick. It's, um, it really is. It really just makes the days fly by, doesn't it? When you, uh, I guess when you get older, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Okay. So, um, we are ready this morning and we've got a, we got a big show, uh, lined up for you today. Um, <clears throat> and we are, um, we're ready to dive into it in just a few moments, uh, here, I guess about 12 minutes or so. Um, we are going to be diving into it with JD Tuchilli from Reason Magazine, who, uh, he's a senior editor over at Reason. And he, I actually invited him on the program because he wrote a story late last week talking about, um, you know, the, the the shootings in society and things like that. And the headline <clears throat> of his story reads, if you want fewer shootings, ask politicians to back off. And it's a very, uh, it's a very good story and interesting because it, uh, um, because it, it really dives into some of the deeper issues of, um, of, of gun violence and what's going on. And he talks about that this is a uh, this is a people problem. That there's some mental health issues. He goes into some statistics about what the pandemic did to this and everything else. And it was a super super good um, super good article. And so I invited him on the program. He was happy to oblige, which I appreciated. And then this morning I go out and he has got a new article out as well. Which I guess so. This is a twofer. We get a chance to talk to him about two articles. And he has written, again, uh, this time about uh, Washington State's assault weapons ban. And uh, the headline on this read, this is so good. The headline uh, on this one reads, Washington's assault weapons ban will be as impotent as most gun laws. And he goes on to talk about why. And in part, he talks a lot about the noncompliance aspect of it and how this is really not going to well it's not going to be effective it's uh it has more to do uh anything else uh with uh, that the enforcement of it is going to be 
nearly impossible. Um, he doesn't. I, I thought he might dip into the whole thing about. Um, uh, uh, he might dip into the whole thing about the non-compliance issues in both Connecticut and, and uh, New York State when they tried to enact their bans. Uh, he didn't go there, but there's just so much great stuff to unpack here. Uh, one of the things that I think he trips over um, that I think is brilliant is he was docking, uh, talking about, you know, the in a, the ineffectiveness of assault weapons bans historically, uh, going back to the 2000, uh, the, uh, the 94 ban, which expired in 2004, and the Rand Corporation's analysis of that, uh, of that law. Uh, they, they took a look at it and said, did it really stop crime? Because, you know, uh, many, many l- different studies have looked at it. Rand, the Rand Corporation study is one of the uh, biggest ones and one of the ones that I think came out and was most widely quoted, uh, basically saying that their, that the historical use of the assault had, had little to no effect. It's, it's that it really had no effect on anything, um, which I found interesting. Um, but they were going on and talking about how part of this was, you know, the, the increase in guns and things like that is spurred by social disorder, by COVID, by all these different things. And that there was even some lamentation from um, from Vice, um, Vice News, uh, when they were talking about the potential upside downside of this assault weapons ban. And here's... This is what kills me. Some Washington residents told Vice News that they're worried the ban creates a situation where traditional gun owners, white male conservatives, are sitting on an arsenal of high-powered weapons, which emerging demographics of gun owners like LGBTQ, leftists, and minorities no longer have access to. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a problem if you're, you know, if you're looking more towards an us versus them scenario and this assault weapons ban basically grandfathers in all guns that are currently owned, then, um, <clears throat> yeah, you've created a problem for, you know, the left non-gun crowd who all of a sudden have found religion and decided that they needed to protect themselves like they did during the pandemic. And you've taken that ability for them to arm themselves out of their hands. Surprise. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it it really it really is astonishing. Well, and this is in light. Uh, by the way, also this is in light of the new or uh, new uh, reporting from CNN, who has reported that a growing number of Americans are buying guns, which we knew about right since 2019, 2020, and especially through the pandemic. We saw a complete and total uptick. Now, good for CNN for actually reporting on this. They don't sound too happy about it, but they did at least um, um, that they did at least you know pop forward and, and make the announcement. Uh, they said in their latest article, um, it says uh, sometime between 2016 and 2019, new gun owners were more likely to be female and black than prior to that. And whether it's a response to feeling as though the things are going out of control or the country is near, really divided, that's a tempting speculation to make. 
The Northeastern and Harvard study found that nearly 3% of adults, or 7.5 million people, bought guns for the first time from January of 2019 to April of 2021. So just in a just over a two-year period, 7.5 million people bought guns for the first time. Uh, 20% of the, excuse me, about half of the new gun owners were female, 20% were black, 20% were Hispanic. Overall gun owners were 63% male and 73% white. But again, a whole chunk of people who were brand spanking new to gun ownership. Um, that, you know, that is, uh, you know, that is, that is some Great stuff. I mean, it's great information. And yes, the people who are in <clears throat> Washington state should be concerned uh, about their new inability, their newfound inability to buy firearms to be able to protect themselves. Now, whether it's from burglars or government or from mean, evil, old white guys, whatever it is, they now find themselves on their back foot because they're lords and masters have decided that they should not be because again this assault weapons ban does not you know as and it's being challenged right the the whole thing is being challenged it's going to be tossed out as unconstitutional um i can almost guarantee it um but the problem is is that in the meanwhile they grandfathered in all these guns you know supposedly this is going to stop it this is going to save us all this is going to it does nothing for any of the guns that are currently on the street and by on the street, I mean in people's gun safes, right? This is the whole thing is we're going to take it all away. We're going to do a, There's still hundreds of thousands of these so-called assault weapons in people's hands, and they are legally owning them. So how, do, how does this help? How does this help take more? Gu- and by the way, if you think that criminals care about your gun laws, let, just for an example, I just came across this this morning in the AP. Uh, the, remember the shooting here that took place, um, on uh, April the 15th on tax day. This is the one that took place in Alabama. It's the Dadeville uh, bank shooting, which wasn't a, I mean, it was a mass shooting, I guess, in one definition, but it was literally apparently gang related teen, a teen, you know, some kind of teenage angst. I don't know what's going on. Uh, This was not some kind of single shooter who got people all locked up fish in a barrel style intentionally in that way. This turned out to be a group of, this was a sweet 16 party. And if you'll remember the reporting on this, initially um, they had all been dancing and happy for this girl's sweet 16 party. And then somebody heard that somebody there had a gun and they actually stopped all the festivities. And the DJ said, we understand people with a gun here, please. If you've got a gun, could you just please leave? We don't, you know, we don't want any trouble. We just want to celebrate the birthday party, yada, yada, yada. And then moments later, a bunch of shooting broke out and it left four people dead and a bunch of people wounded and everything else. Well, they finally have gone out and they have arrested six people. Let me let me give this to you. Six people whose ages range from 15 years old to 20, 15, 17, 16, uh, 20, 20, 19. So uh, they're all they're all prohibited people, folks. 
You can't, well, I mean, in Alabama, maybe the legal age to purchase a handgun is 18, but in most states, it's 21. So these are all people who are below the age of 21. I mean, half of them were under the age of 18. And yet they all apparently had guns and they were shooting at each other or they were shooting at other people, whatever the deal was. This is thuggery. And they were not supposed to have guns, and yet they did. So tell me again how your tell me again how your <clears throat> fill in the blank gun law, safe space storage, ma- you know, magazine capacity, uh, waiting period. Tell me again how all that's going to work for people who were already illegally possessing fire that had no legal standing to possess firearms. Tell me how all that works. How is that going? How is that going to save the day? And that's the problem with a lot of this stuff. It just you cannot, you cannot, you know, legitimately um, legislate evil or insanity. Those are the two things that you cannot legislate um, in in the in the system. It's just, it's, it's impossible. And bad things are going to happen to good people. We know that. We do everything that we can to stop it. But in the bottom, in the end, his, history has proven bad things happen to good people because there are bad people out there. And bad could be evil or it could be insane. Either one. That's how it works. So anyway, uh, we're going to dive into this with JD2 Chili here. In just a moment, we're going to have him for the rest of the hour. We've got a story coming out of the UK about a father and son who were selling guns out of an armory. Wait, I thought England, I thought those are the gun laws that we should, no, you mean that they actually have guns and, oh no. Um, We see uh, that the number of active shooter incidents last year actually decreased over the previous year. You won't see any of the mainstream media championing that, but we've got the numbers straight out of the, uh, straight out of the FBI uh, database uh, to prove that. Um, We've got uh, uh, some calls from the Louisville shooters, the Old Dominion Bank shooting, that um, said that their son shouldn't have had a gun um, and shouldn't have been able to have access to a gun, and yet there is nothing in there about how they actually did anything about it. Um, prior to that, we've got some more, uh, emergency petitions being filed with SCOTUS, uh, over the Bruin case, uh, or, you know, because of the Bruin case in from other jurisdictions. And there's lots of stuff to go over this morning. I'm, I can't wait to talk about it. All right. We're jumping into it. We'll be there in just a moment. JD2 Chili will be joining us. The Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. It is Firearms Friday. Good morning. We'll be back with more right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
All right, we're in the break right now, and uh, we're getting ready. J.D. Tuchilli, Reason Magazine, is going to be joining us here in a hot sec. And he's in the green room right now, in fact. And so I probably should get everything ready and set up and uh, all squared away and uh, see what's going on uh, and talk to him uh, to say hello. Good morning, my friend. You Good morning s- to you. You sneaky, sneaky bugger. I call you about one article and then you sneak one in under the wire this morning. Something else. It would be another. So now we got to do a two for today. We're going to squeeze both of them in. It's going to be good. Awesome. we got plenty uh, to chat about. Man, I tell you what, you, uh, you, you've written some great stuff. I read that article and it really tipped me over um, into some of the things that I've really been considering about. You know, how do we, f- I mean, I'm a gun owner. I'm responsible. I want to quit being under attack. I want to fix the problem without fixing the tool kind of thing, you know, and you really lay into some issues and some details that are pretty interesting for folks who don't know, especially the effects of the pandemic and the mental issues and the stress that we're feeling. Because, I mean, I mean, J.D., you and I have been covering watching politics in this country for years, and I don't ever remember it being as polarized and tribalized, you know, tribalized as we're seeing today. I mean, sure, there was, you know, there was the tug and pull and back and forth, but man, it is now like if you're not with me, I want to burn your house down, kind of thing. And uh, and it just got worse over the whole COVID thing. And are you wearing a mask? And are you not? And Karen's on both sides. And you know, it, <clears throat> it's madness. I mean, and and I mean literally madness in some cases. It is some of the stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You're not exaggerating. I mean, yeah. We're talking crazy here. Yeah. So I want to get into all that, and uh, we're going to do it here. We're about three minutes out from rejoining the radio. How I've been watching JD and I are friends on Facebook, and so I get a chance to peek inside his life and look at all the hiking and biking and you've been you've been you've been out and about quite a bit man you just getting outdoors are you ready you got the cabin fever you're ready for summer or what oh yeah absolutely so yeah uh, yeah i fixed up my mountain bike and i got out there and i got out into the desert and i always bring my ar7 with me so i can pull it out of my pack and do a little shooting while i'm out there and it's just beautiful i yeah. live in a great place i love where i'm at and uh, you know, the more I can explore it, uh, the happier I am. Yeah. Oh, it's a. It would for me, it would be a fun place to. It doesn't have nearly enough trees, but for me, it's a fun place to visit. Some people love the high desert. Some people, you know, uh, I love to look at it. I don't know as I'd want to live there because I need me some big trees. But it is uh, definitely you've been out there and enjoying it. We could use some of that, man. I've still got snow outside. It will not go. This is like, you know, the Lord of the Rings. What about second breakfast? Well, what about third winter? I mean, we're just like, it just will not go away, you know. Well, we're, we're hitting 90 this weekend, so I'll try to send a few, maybe 10 oh, degrees in your direction. We have not even hit 50 degrees here. We are, that is the, we were only one degree off from the coldest April in recorded history here. Since they've started tracking it, we're 10 degrees below our norm uh, in this area. And the rest of Alaska is kind of locked in the same deep, deep freeze. So it's uh, it's crazy. Um, this uh, this whole thing with uh, uh, this whole thing with the Bruin decision, which I think is still having wider ramifications and is going to continue to do so, is really, I think, continuing to divide us. And we can talk about that a little bit as well. But uh, I'm. I'm just astonished to watch what's going on on this, and I'm I'm really looking forward to breaking down both these articles uh, uh, with you as well. So uh, hold the line here. Uh, let me catch up with the chat room real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna swap places with you here and drop you down into the corner. Uh, let me uh, let me talk a little bit with the chat room because I have not gotten into the uh, comments this morning. 
Good morning, good morning, good morning to everybody. Hey, my dad's in the uh, my dad's in the chat room. Everybody, say hi to my dad. Um, Michael's in Iceland. Good morning from Iceland. Um, I have a great weekend. Is there a link? Says Tony. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I put the link to uh, well, I put the link to uh, JD's first article in the chat room. Let me put the link to his second article in the chat room as well. Make sure you share these with your friends, folks. Um, um, okay. We're 20 seconds out here. Uh, I'm just going back here. Anything else that I really need to address? Pretty sure meth isn't legal either. And how has that worked out? Adding more laws aren't going to do squat. Well, that's like, there's no possible way to get heroin in prison, right? Right? I mean, it's prison, right? That's okay. All right. I got you. Here we go. The Michael Duke show common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, JD to Chile, our guest. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. Yeah, I mean, I only have protection guns. I have no murder guns at all. They're all protection guns. That's the whole point. I specifically sort through the pile of them until I find the ones that are only protection guns. Uh, Welcome back to Firearms Friday. It is the Michael Duke Show, and we are discussing issues of a Second Amendment nature here. Invited to the program uh, last week, in fact, I invited him on, J.D. to Chile. Uh, He's a guy with a work ethic that just won't quit because in the meanwhile, he wrote another article about the Second Amendment uh, and guns and stuff like that. So we're going to actually cover two things this morning. J.D. joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. As always, it is literally my pleasure to have you on. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. So, J.D., you started off this story and it says, if you want fewer shootings, ask politicians to back off. Uh, And I'm going to synopsize and dumb that down for those of us in the back who are, you know, not high school graduates and basically say this is the problem with all the things that we have going on with gun laws in America today is that politicians always feel obligated to do something when something happens. And that's kind of one of the major problems that we have going on here. Uh, Walk me through what you're what you're you know, what you're talking about here and how this all plays into mental health, the pandemic and all these other things, there is something that changed in the equation in America in the last 40 years. And you say that that change is us. It's us. It's yeah. absolutely us. Um, we had this, and everyone who's, who follows the news at all knows we had a flurry of really awful shootings in recent weeks. Um, seem to be people uh, kind of driven by rage or madness going after uh, innocent people who showed up on their doorstep. Uh, they had a rational fear of them. They opened fire on them. Uh, people were injured and killed. Um, in two ca- in two incidents, the shooter chased people down in order to shoot them. Um, and these are awful. And it got people talking about, okay, we got too many guns, or it's these awful stand-your-ground laws. But the thing is, we had stand-your-ground laws, and we had surging firearms ownership for decades, while the crime rate, violent and property crime, plummeted from the early 90s up until about 2020. And then something changed. And what changed? And the fact is, we are more hostile. We are more divided. We were getting more divided even before the pandemic. But official reaction to COVID-19 made us nuttier. 
And there's a lot of evidence to show that. For one thing, polling shows that Americans think that we're having a mental health epidemic. The American Psychological Association polled its membership, psychologists, and they all report surging depression, anxiety, mental health issues across the board. And this is since COVID. I mean, the, the, the date when this started changing, when people started getting more um, mentally ill, when getting crazier, um, is very traceable back to uh, COVID. And there's separate research on the impact of the lockdowns, uh, the restrictions that were imposed on people around the world, but you know, obviously also in the United States in, you know, in varying ways across different, uh, different states. And what they found research that says that people who were impacted by lockdowns, by restrictions, suffered mental health issues at much higher rates than those who were not. Right. And they even find they even find data that says that there's there's brain inflammation among people who suffered restrictions. We made this country nuttier, and suddenly we're having a surge in violent crime. And there's a direct uh, impact um, made by those politicians who insisted on doing something in response to the pandemic. And now they're telling us they want to do something in response to the violent crime that can be traced back to their earlier actions. Right. Which, again, is the same thing. This is a historical. I mean, this is historically accurate because at every moment, oh, it's violent criminal crime. So we had to have the the 19. Well, first of all, we're losing we're losing prohibition. So we have to do something with all these agents that we have that were prohibition agents. And now we have to create a whole new branch. And now the ATF and the 1934 Act was born. And then, oh, it's criminals and crimes. And it's, you know, it's the sharks and the jets on the streets. So we need. So then they're forced to make the 1968 gun control law. And then it's the and it's the FOPA. And then the all these things were reactionary and we must do something. Did it change anything? No, not really. And in fact, as we saw, and you point out, that contrary to the popular narrative, America is has become safer and safer and safer over the last decades, which again flies directly in the face of what the news media and the politicians keep genning up. They, I mean, it's fear. I and mean, this is the same thing that happened in the pandemic, right? Fear mongering in the pandemic. We see the same things about all this other stuff. You'd think it was the Wild West out there, but we are historically safer today than we were in 1990, uh, in 1978. I mean, it's we, we're seeing less, you know, more guns, less crime, and nobody can correlate it. It's exactly right. I mean, as recently as the summer of 2020, the FBI was putting out press releases boasting about how how crime had plummeted over the previous 30 years. I mean, we were living in a country that was about half as dangerous crime was as it had been in 1990. Um, crime stats still don't show a huge surge in crime, but there's a lag effect. I mean, uh, the crime stats that we're looking at now are about two years old. And when people look at the headlines and look around them, they're seeing something that the stats aren't quite yet recognizing. Plus, we know, I mean, there has been a flurry of these unpleasant, you know, these horrible incidents. So something's right. going on. And there's definitely evidence that Americans are suffering serious mental health issues on a much wider scale than was the case beforehand. These incidents have risen. And there's evidence that the COVID lockdowns, these restrictions, when politicians insisted on doing something, had unintended consequences. They hadn't thought through the consequences of doing something that was really unprecedented. Right. kind of putting a lock on society and it's it's had ill effects on us it's made yeah. us crazier and more hostile right well and one yeah. of and what of the other i mean yes that is something and when i read this and i I'm, let me read this for folks out there who haven't read the article yet this is the and you mentioned it this this whole thing about uh brain inflammation and everything else this is astonishing 
Harvard researchers found that societal and lifestyle disruptions during the COVID pandemic may have triggered brain inflammation that could affect mental health. Brain imaging revealed that people tested after pandemic restrictions had elevated levels of two markers of neuroinflammation, translocator protein and myotinazole, and compared those uh, compared with those tested prior. They had they had more brain swelling than those tested than the tests that were taking place prior to the uh, pandemic. That's a actual physical reaction to what's going on. The other unintended reaction, by the way, that the politicians were not anticipating was the fact that seven point five to eight million Americans for the first time went out and bought guns. And they were mostly minorities and women and people who historically have been opposed to guns. But all of a sudden they realized I'm on my own. I, there's a defund the police thing. There's stuff going on. There's riots. I think I need to protect my they did not expect that. They didn't expect that at all. And the fact is that the it trust in institutions is something that was declining even before uh, the pandemic kicked in. But now that distrust in institutions has spread across the board. We already knew the country was politically polarized before the pandemic, but the pandemic made people more hostile, which means it probably almost certainly exacerbated the political divisions we already saw. And this has resulted in a political component to the violence. So you've got distrust in institutions, a government that is delegitimized in the eyes of many people, and many Americans viewing each other as enemies across political divides. Um, if you poll people, there's a Edelman, the Edelman Trust Barometer is, is, a, uh, is a fund that, uh, that polls people every couple of years to find out where they stand in terms of the regard of each other and of institutions. The Edelman Barometer, the more recent mission, finds that only 30% of Americans would, hold, would help people, would just give them assistance if they strongly disagreed with them. And only 20% want to have as neighbors or as coworkers, people with whom they strongly disagree. Um, this, is, this is a recipe for a vastly divided, mutually hostile country that is turning on itself. Right. And it can all be traced back, or at least a large part of it can be traced back to the unintended consequences of ill-considered do-something policies by politicians who are now being asked to do something again. Right. Uh, over, over the last 70 years. I mean, that's the do-something the do yep. something policies that they've continued, the reactionary policies that they've continued to throw out there over the last 70 years have led us to this, where we literally could be eating ourselves. I mean, eating our own. Like you said, 30 percent. Well, only 30% would help people that they politically disagree with? I'm sorry, your house is on fire. Must be your fault. Go ahead and burn. No. Am I going to help you? Are you beside the road with a flat? No. You've got a Biden sticker on the back of your car? I'm not going to help you. I mean, that's ins- I mean, I've talked about the loss of discourse in this country, the loss of being able to have a rational, reasonable debate and be able to agree to disagree. We've lost that in this country. If you don't agree with me, J.D. Tuchilli... I hope your house burns down and your cat gets cancer. That's, I mean, that's the general reaction. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a there's a uh, knowable effect in terms of othering others. When we dehumanize people, it's easier to hurt them. I mean, it's one of the things that governments do during wartime is you try to dehumanize the enemy, and then we laugh at the posters that were created for propaganda purposes during a war. Those were done for a reason to dehumanize the enemy, so it'd be easier to hurt them. We're dehumanizing each other. We're making it easier for us to turn against each other as we tribalize, factionalize, and start viewing each other within our own country as the other. Uh, this is enormously dangerous. And then we look around at the uh, the country we've created and we wonder, okay, why has it become so hostile? 
Why is it people are acting up and turning against each other and treating each other as if they're enemies? Right. Well, because we've convinced ourselves that they're enemies. Right. Well, and this leads to something else here. We're coming up on the break here, but this leads to kind of your final summation of this. First and foremost, the best thing that they could do is not do something, quote unquote. But see, the the unintended consequence of all these actions leads to the biggest and the final one, which is that people lose respect not only for their institutions, for each other, but also for the law itself as they continue to make laws that are blatantly and people feel rightly are unconstitutional or just unjust, people will start to disregard the law and they will look, as we saw in New York State and in Connecticut and probably now in Washington State, they'll just disregard the law because it doesn't make any sense. And that leads down the road to the whole Irish democracy thing where they can pass any law they want and the people just ignore them. And now you're brushing up against you know, anarchy and, you know, the the kind of the whole societal norm thing breaking down, that's a very dangerous road to tread. It, it is. And we're already there. I mean, we, we kind of live in, a, in an Irish democracy already. We saw what happened with prohibition. I mean, it was prohibition failed because Americans stopped obeying it, didn't obey it. Marijuana prohibition failed for the same reason. Laws against homosexuality failed for the same reason. I mean, the Stonewall uh, riots back in 19, was it 68 or 69, where the, uh, the client, you know, the customers swarmed out in the street and beat up the cops right um, there's a lot of times when this is a good thing it limits the power of the state but if so many of your laws are viewed as illegitimate or as weaponized then the whole structure gets delegitimized you've got a real problem on your hands yeah no americans are known for civil disobedience when the laws are unjust you know the marbury versus madison kind of thing i mean it is something that's important but when every law becomes that kind of you know critical i mean that's the problem when you it's not just the unjust ones or everything else pretty soon people just go they give the finger to the system and say i'll do whatever i want that's the danger and i think if they don't just stop doing something and start thinking about the unintended consequences this is just going to get worse and worse unfortunately politicians don't seem to be able to understand the idea of unintended consequences and uh, or long-term thinking in general. It's always just to the next election cycle. Uh, all right, J.D., hold the line for a second. Uh, J.D. Tuchilli, our guest, contributing editor for Reason Magazine. We're going to talk about his latest article, which deals specifically with the Washington assault weapons ban, which was passed this week. And Inslee says, well, this is going to save us. This is uh, evil weapons off our street that are meant only to kill people. I mean, aside the fact that assault weapons, quote unquote, the ones that they define, make up less than something like one and a half or two percent of all crimes in the country, let alone actual murders. Uh, we'll continue with this here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. J.D. Tuchilli, our guest, back with more when we return. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, J.D. Tuchilli, our guest here on the program uh, as we continue on. Um... You know, that is my main concern, J.D. We've talked on this program. We've had several shows where we dedicated discussions to the Irish democracy concept and what what happens as politicians 
in an effort to control or to placate a special interest or something, continue to make, you know, more and more specialized or reactionary laws. And pretty soon people just start to ignore and to ignore one law is, you know, civil disobedience. But to start to basically look at the whole cadre of laws and just say, these people don't know anything. And, and of course, they add to it by adding more and more stupid laws on top of it. It really, that's a dangerous path. Am I wrong? It, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, the laws are ill-informed. They are they're repeatedly ill-informed and poorly crafted. And then there's perception in many cases that the uh, system is weaponized, that the regulatory apparatus is used to punish political enemies, that the legislative um, apparatus is used to pass laws that aren't intended to make the world a better place, but they're used to punish people who are on the other side of some kind of divide. Well, if the laws are perceived as not trying to achieve a good end, but as being punitive, um, as being politically motivated, then why would you have any faith in the system? Why would you obey the, the laws? Why would you submit yourself to the regulations? And the system because uh, becomes inherently delegitimized to those who are not um, among the faction that's in control. And I think that's the position we're in in a lot of places now, where we're arguing about, uh, you know, Department of Homeland Security trying to suppress certain kinds of speech, where we're arguing, where we're talking about the New York State Attorney General filing lawsuits and trying to break up the National Rifle Association because she's politically opposed to it. Um, in fact, the ACLU came out and said that's exactly why, you know, what she's trying to do. Um, when you see laws like this, I mean, Ron DeSantis on the other side of the aisle in Florida, very clearly using the legislative apparatus, the regulatory apparatus against Disney. If the system is perceived as politically motivated, it's inherently delegitimized to, by those among those who disagree with the politics of the rulers. And then, yet yeah, you have a very dangerous situation. I, I totally I totally agree and and I think that this is part of our problem and I don't see any reining in of the appetites for what we're talking about here and unfortunately if history is any indicator that means that means we could be in for some rough times ahead because people if they are less willing to talk to each other if they're less willing to have a rational reasonable civil conversation with each other and be able to do, agree to disagree I mean where does that leave us? That leaves us on the precipice of, I mean, now we're talking about, we keep hearing the term in the last, especially in the last six, eight months, I've been seeing more and more of the term national divorce, right? National divorce. So what does that yeah. mean? Well, they want to break up the country into, well, we'll just balkanize the country into various areas where if you are blue, you could be here. If you're red, you can be here. But the problem is, is that we have historically red states that have blue centers they're blue chewy center you know like a tootsie roll i mean so what do you do do you create city states where the you know the 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 major capital is blue and the rest of the state is red i mean it just doesn't happen and of course that also leads to the question of is the national divorce peaceful or is it not and i mean i'm not Look, I like taking my wife out to dinner and going to see a movie and all the trappings of a polite and civilized society. Um, I've talked to people who went through the, Sarah, uh, the, the Sarajevo, the Serbian Civil War. I, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff in my backyard. But if things keep going that way, that looks like a more likely scenario than not if things don't change. I, I think you're right. And the problem is when people are discussing something, they're making it more and more thinkable. And the national divorce concept now um, is a thinkable concept among millions of Americans. 
but it's not it's not practical on the state level for the exactly reasons you cited. We're not divided by states. We're divided by ideology that largely sorts to blue. I mean, urban liberal, urban to suburban liberal, and red. Uh, ex-urban to rural uh, conservative. Um, and obviously there's others. I'm a libertarian. I consider myself purple. I straddle it. I like going into the city uh, on a frequent basis. So what are you going to do? Are you going to draw boundaries around the cities? We actually do have a solution. The original idea of federalism uh, d- addressed exactly this problem. If we were to go back to decentralization, but it couldn't be just to the state level anymore, bring it down to the local level which now have the population, I mean, counties now have the population that states did when we, this country was founded. Bring it back to the local levels, the important decisions are more local. And I, of course, I'd like to put it at the individual level, most of all. Right. But uh, the less conflict there is, the fewer people living under laws they hate, and the easier it is to move from one area that you don't like to another area that you do, the less conflict we'll have. No, I agree. It's one of the reasons why I stopped covering national issues on this program, about fi- except for firearms, because that's a passion for me. But I quit. I quit focusing on national issues about five, six years ago because... I can't affect any of that. What can I affect? My local, my community, my state. That's about what I can do. And that's what we need to be focusing on, I think. Uh, and if we do that, maybe we can pull ourselves back from the brink of the precipice. I, I'm, Yeah, it's, it's going to forget about monetary. We didn't even get into monetary policy and everything else that's leading us down this primrose path. All right. Uh, we're continuing here. We've got J.D. Tuchili as our guest. Uh, please like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. Let's go to it. Here we go. Well, ring-a-ding-ding. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. It's Firearms Friday, the one day a week where we focus on any kind of national issue, really. Uh, and, of course, firearms is our big topic. J.D. Tuchilli is a contributing editor for Reason Magazine. He joins us from an undisclosed location in Arizona somewhere. Uh, he uh, comes on board to talk with us today. Uh, I asked him on to talk about one article, but he actually snuck another one in when I wasn't looking. And it is really topical because it deals specifically with Washington's assault weapons ban. The headline reads, the assault weapons ban will be as impotent as most gun laws, and again, this is, again, just plays right back into our conversation, J.D., that we had just a minute ago, talking about how politicians felt like they must do something, and that's what the assault weapons ban does. Although, it also sticks a finger in the eye of SCOTUS, which I think is a bigger issue that we're seeing from some of the blue states and blue cities and things like that. So give us the rundown here on the Washington assault weapons ban and what you've discovered. Yeah, I mean, Washington's uh, Governor Jay Inslee signed this week a new law that's kind of a cookie cutter assault weapons ban. I mean, it does the usual job of, uh, you know, of running through a list of, mo- you know, of model names of firearms saying that they're now illegal in Washington state. And then it does the if it ha- if it can take a detachable magazine, then has one more feature um, then it's a legal um, assault weapon. If it doesn't, then it's a perfectly legal weapon, which has been done before. We've seen this happen time and time again. Constitutionally, it very likely runs afoul of of, uh, the Bruin decision last year. Uh, Maryland has a similar law that's in court right now, was sent back to the courts of the Supreme Court to be reconsidered uh, in light of the Bruin decision. So there's a very good chance that the Washington uh, law is unconstitutional out of the gate. But even before we get to that, this kind of a law has failed time and time again. California went down this path. New York went down this path. 
And each time you end up playing whack-a-mole with the uh, list of features on a rifle. Okay, uh, detachable magazines are now illegal, um, plus oh, yeah, a bayonet lug. So we'll take the bayonet lug off. Um, or we'll make it so that the magazine um, can be detached only with the tools. And I used to stick the, uh, the tip of a cartridge into a hole and, now, and the magazine drops out. Um, so we'll take off the pistol grip, and now it's got a regular kind of a rifle stock, even if it's awkwardly designed. Um, and then you bring it home, and of course you swap out whatever parts you want. And then you end up playing these games where the legislature goes back and says, oh, we didn't think of a, of a bullet button. We have to ban the bullet button now. And then somebody else invents a new, a new system for getting around that law. There was a great video in 2014 that I found when I wrote about New York's similar ban on this, where they went down the same path. Right. And a, a gun shop owner in New York State you know, I had to be, uh, stood there with a rifle in his hand and started look at, looking at the uh, the very minor cosmetic features that stood between the rifle in his hand being perfectly legal and being a felony to own, none of which had any impact on the functionality of the rifle at all. So you know we're going to go down the same path in Washington State that's been gone down in California and in um, in New York, and that gun shop owner in 2014 pointed out that the law was written by people who knew nothing about firearms. And clearly, in the last nine years, they've learned nothing since. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of the problem. I mean, the, the president goes on and on about how wickedly lethal the AR-15 is and everything else. And we're going to put this assault weapons ban. Yet everything that they do on the assault weapons ban is is just basically a cosmetic change. It does nothing to change the muzzle velocity or the caliber of any of these guns. There are many firearms that are semi-automatic, that are not assault weapons, that have more powerful cartridges than any of this. It's very, I mean, going right back to the whole Tucker Carlson, Carolyn McCarthy debate about what is a barrel shroud? Oh, it's the shoulder thing that goes up. They have no, I, she admits, she doesn't know what it is. You are writing laws with high specificity on items that you know nothing about. What does a barrel shroud, which is, by the way, is a piece of stamped metal over the barrel to dissipate the heat, what does that have to do with the lethality of a firearm? It has absolutely nothing to do. And yet we've got politicians who are writing this stuff and they we're, do something, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I cited a New York Times article from 10 years ago as a news analysis piece where the uh, the writer of that article in the New York Times, you know, gun control supporting New York Times, left of center by far more so now than 10 years ago. But I mean, the writer pointed out that the whole assault weapons category was a politically created category that applied to uh, rifles, shotguns and pistols uh, that had militaryish features. But that had played a role in before the federal assault weapons ban of 1994, about 2% of, uh, of, of shootings around the U.S. And the figure since the assault weapons ban ended has not changed very much. It's still a very low percentage. But the, the weapons look scary because of those military features. But if you pull them off and stick a wood stock on a lot of these rifles, um, now it's a hunting rifle, or at least in the eyes of someone who wanted to ban an assault weapon, right. because the features are purely cosmetic. And as you pointed out, I mean, a World War II M1 Grand, I mean, I own one, one, my, own one myself, is, it fires a much more powerful cartridge than the 5.56 fired by an AR-15, but it's not covered by any of these bands because it looks like a hunting rifle to modern eyes, and because most of the legislators now have forgotten about it. Right. So all this stuff is about cosmetics. It's about appealing to fear and appealing to an audience with bills that are endlessly 
fail. I mean, they just they just right. fail over and over again because it's very easy to evade them or to ignore them. Even if the even if their ideas behind these bills were true, the problem is again is that uh, uh, assault rifles, which is a subset of regular rifles, um, I mean, it's a small component of all long guns that are sold still make up less than one and a half percent of all crimes in the, the vast majority of especially murders are committed in the 80 percentile range with with handguns and yet they don't want to touch that because they know it's politically incorrect oh so this will stop Inslee this is not going to stop anything because again the vast majority of crimes are not committed with long rifles let alone assault rifles and this doesn't even touch on the fact that they've grandfathered in all the ones that are already there. So there's still all these ones out in the public. How is this going to slow things down? And it's absolutely not to. I mean, they can't go up to handguns because handguns are in common usage as self-defense weapons, which means that under the uh, Supreme Court rulings, they're they're protected. I mean, that's Bruin decision was very clear about that. They, they can't go after handguns. And um, I found a great piece uh, published this month in the New Republic by Bryn Tannehill, who's a Rand Corporation analyst, um, also a gun control advocate. I didn't mention that in my piece, but very much a gun control advocate. But the piece is despairing that there's 400 million firearms in the hands of Americans across the country. They're not registered because registration is, is a limited feature in a very few states, and it's not been uh, much complied with even where applied. I mean, you had 5% 5, 5 compliance uh, when New York imposed its assault weapons registration requirement. Um, and Tannehill despaired that gun control was a dead issue because most Americans are not who own firearms are not willing to comply with these laws. And so there's nothing really to be done. And Tannehill threw our arms up in the air and declared the issue over. And I think that's right. I mean, obviously, I'm from the other side. I think that restrictions are a bad idea, but I also think they're dead on arrival. Yeah. You can't enforce them. You get some unlucky scofflaws and get pulled over in a traffic stop, but that's the end of it. Yeah, right. The rest of it is just unenforceable. They well, can't do anything. Tannehill's, uh, Tannehill has written about this a couple of times, and I've read a couple of her articles recently about this, and she is despairing that they've essentially lost and they have no one to blame but themselves. I mean, really, when you look at this, uh, B.J. Campbell over at Hand Waving Freak Outery wrote about this, basically said, hey, look, you guys got no one to blame but yourself for this because you're the ones that have forced people into this corner. And now you've got a whole new category of gun owners, 8 million gun owners who are basically saying, who are on your team, who are saying, no, I'm not buying into your argument. And by the way, you just mentioned it, the scoff laws and everything else. Look at the compliance rate. I mean, look at the compliance rate of these new laws, even in places like New York and Connecticut, not conservative bastions to in any way, shape or form. And what was the compliance rate with the New York assault, the SAFE Act? Was it like 4%, less than 4%? I mean, it was... Yeah, it was under 5% yeah. by, their, by their own estimates. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And I think as you continue to do this, this is what you push people to do. You, you know, when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. But what you're doing is you're making common, average, everyday law-abiding citizens outlaws because they've refused to comply with what is obviously unconstitutional and unconscionable law. Absolutely. And as these these contests between these laws and uh, the, and people who are gun enthusiasts, true believers have escalated, I mean, you've had a whole DIY industry develop so that people can manufacture their own firearms with relative ease. Um, the technology is meant to be, um, you know, unbannable in the end. I mean, you can ban all the 80 percent receivers you want. Then you move to a solid blocks of metal. Um, you know, I, and I with my son as a father-son project, we built an AR-15. Um, you can't ban at the end of the day home workshops. You right. just can't do that. Right. You could have gone. And now you've got the 
Yeah. And now you got the attitude that we're not going to comply and we're going to find ways to make sure we can't comply. Yeah. You're going to have compliance police at Lowe's and Home Depot so you can't buy pipes and springs and tubings and nails. I mean, you know, I could build something in 15 minutes at a Home Depot that could shoot something. Is that, Are you going to you know put them there? It makes no sense whatsoever. Makes no sense. J.D. Tuchilli, our guest. Uh, J.D., final thoughts here, about 30 seconds, 40 seconds here. Yeah, I mean, this is yet another example of unintended consequences. Politicians make bad decisions. They alienate large parts of the public. They drive people who were core components of their supporters to another side to distrust them or just to distrust institutions in general. And then they create a new problem that, that they throw their hands up about, want to address, and have lost the power, the respect, and the trust to do anything about. So uh, this is government in a nutshell. It's creating problems that it can't solve and that, and that breed new problems in the future. And it continues to get worse as they go along because it's self-reinforcing. That's part of the problem uh, that we see here. JD Tuchilli, uh, Reason Magazine. You can find him at Reason.com. Thanks for coming in. Hold the line. Folks, we're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. J.D., you've got your finger kind of on the pulse of a lot of this. Obviously, you've talked to a lot of, you know, senior people. and you, you got, I mean, are we the – I mean, I feel like it's just you and me. Are you and me the only ones seeing this, that they're walking a very slippery slope, that the more laws that they put in that are basically, you know, wrong and become, you know, are reasons and actions for civil disobedience create then more chances for more laws, that that it's a self-reinforcing feedback loop? I mean, is anybody else seeing this or is it just you and me? I, I mean, I'm asking for a friend. It, you know, it's a combination of things. Some politicians are honestly very stupid. Um, I've got we've got a governor now, Katie Hobbs in Arizona, who uh, is in office because the Republicans decided to run a lunatic. And so the idiot won instead. And she's probably better than the lunatic, but she really doesn't understand the consequences of what she does. But on the other hand, you've got a lot of very cynical politicians who don't care that the laws they pass um, are ineffective just so long as they signal to the right people, keep them in power, you know, kind of rally the troops to support them in the next election, because they figure they've got their gated communities and they've got their bank accounts and they'll be fine no matter the consequences in the future. They're not always right. They're not always fine, but they certainly think that they're going to weather it. And so they don't really care whether the legislation is effective, is wise, is ill-considered, or will have stupid consequences to come. Well, because history shows that those politicians that felt like they were safe, that's not always the case. In fact, in many reasons and ways, they're the first ones to get drug out on the street, uh, unfortunately for them. Um, and but I mean, is it is it, it not just from a political standpoint, but from I mean, from a citizenry standpoint, many of us are looking at this going, you guys pull the handbrake. The bridge is out. You got to slow down. You can't just keep shoveling coal into the box and expect you're going to jump the gap. I mean. I don't look, I'm not one of those guys that said, well, just we should just take our arms up. And I don't want that. Again, I've interviewed people who have gone through that in modern times. It is horrific to think about. I, I don't want to think about that. But that is the direction they seem to be driving us at full speed. And there's no end in sight. And and I guess a lot of us just kind of feel hopeless and helpless at this end. And all we can do is prepare ourselves for the worst and hope for the best. But is nobody else seeing this? Most people aren't politically engaged. They have their lives to live. They don't really think through the, the consequences. All they know is that someone said, oh, um, something is bad. It might be crime. It might be whatever else. And this bill will fix it. 
guns make crime. We will ban guns. There will therefore be no more guns and there won't be any more crime. And a lot of people look up from whatever it is they're doing in their lives because they got things to occupy. And they say, oh, I guess that makes sense. Sure, go for it. They don't think it through. So the majority, and I think that's the majority of the population, does isn't engaged in politics, is not engaged in considering policy, and does not think through consequences. They just say, oh, that sounds good, and I kind of trust that person. They're on my tribe. They're in my team, right? So I'll go with that. And we get reflexive about this, too. This kind of idea is my team, my tribe's right. idea, therefore I will support <clears throat> it no matter what. We get very tribal about it, and we figure if it hurts anybody, it's going to hurt people in the other tribe, and I want to hurt them anyway. So we kind of find ourselves spiraling down toward disaster. And will it be true disaster? There's a lot of ruin in a country, right? I'm not the one who said that first. Adam Smith did. But there's a lot of ruin in a country. But we're testing the boundaries. We really are testing the limits of how much ruin there is. And I don't know where this is going, but I don't think it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, that self-reinforcing feedback loop of every time you do something bad, it forces you to do something else bad and blah, 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 and the politicians don't care. And the and the, like you said, the people aren't engaged. The vast majority of people have no, they have no concept of what's going on. It's those of us that are kind of politically engaged or students of history who have looked back and seen this cyclic nature of this kind of destruction in the past who understand it who are lamenting that we've we should have learned the lesson of this history and we're not i guess the answer is all we can do is prepare ourselves as best we can for i guess whatever eventuality but the most likely one at this point does not look pretty it, it doesn't i mean the solution would I mean to the extent there's a solution is to make government matter less it's not supposed to cater to everybody's bigotry and prejudices and wants and uh, unicorn gift wish lists but that's what it becomes, because um, catering to people's desires is what gives politicians status and power. And right. so you get you start with a limited government, yeah. and there's always a tendency for it to do more and more and more until eventually it's hurting people on behalf of other people so that some politician can stay in office. Well, yeah, and we, it, this, you, that used to be the purview of the left, but now the right is embraced. I mean, look at what's going on with uh, with uh, Florida and Disney and DeSantis and all that stuff. I mean, it used to be that, you know, the right didn't want to weaponize the government. They wanted less of it. And now they've discovered, oh, I mean, we can weaponize it and make people believe what we want to believe. Great. Let's do that. Uh, and that's I mean, I know a lot of people don't on this program don't want to hear that, but that's part of the problem when they are all about using weapon, using the government as a weapon or a bludgeon to enforce your point of view. You've gone over to the dark side, people. That government is not your friend. They're not there to help. And if they can force you, if you can force somebody to believe something you believe when the pendulum slips, you know, slips as it will from one side to the other, they could do the same thing back to you. That's why we need to have. And they absolutely heaven. will. Yeah. Yeah. Ron DeSantis is using tools that were put in place by politicians who came before him. And I remember hearing a few years ago, uh, people were saying, oh, you made the rules. We're going to follow your rules. And now you got both tribes doing this, using the government as a bludgeon against each other, depending upon who's in power. There's no good place for that to go. No. And in the end of the day, everyone's going to look at the government as something that is dangerous and that they despise because they don't know who's going to swing it against them. But somebody will. Yeah. And that trust is, is already eroding. I mean, it's, it's down in, in, you know, to a minimal level, something yeah. like 20 to 30 percent for all government institutions. Yeah. And it has been dropping for years. And as the founders intended, we should all be looking at government with a jaundiced eye and not looking at it to the solution to all our problems. It is, in fact, the cause of many of our problems in this day and age, because, as you said earlier, they create the problems to then create a solution for the problems they already created. 
Uh, JD Tuchilli, my friend, thank you so much. It's always uh, good to talk with you. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. Uh, have a great weekend, okay? You too. Thanks for having me on. Keep up the good work. Folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Kinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday is the one day a week that we dedicate the whole show pretty much to discussions around firearms, guns, the Second Amendments, and the importance of it in uh, society uh, for today. Uh, we've often talked about how America has got, we got some problems, okay? There's no doubt about it. We're still the freest nation on earth. I know that there's freedom indexes that show that we're not on certain, you know, but, but overall, we're still one of the few places in the world that people are dying to get into. Uh, and we do have our warts and boils and blisters and, you know, pockmarks and pustules and scars. But we're still, overall, after 245 years, one of the freest in, uh, places on the face of the earth. And I think we can attribute that, in part, uh, to the Second Amendment. It is the one implicit threat that keeps the government from overreaching in many ways. They can only go so far. Uh, J.D. Tuchilli and I were just talking during the break about, you know, what's coming. And if we don't stop some of this, you know, incessant doing something that, uh, you know, they're trying to regulate people, you know, out of existence. And they're they're trying to regulate independence, it seems like, and self-reliance out of existence. But the Second Amendment has existed and did exist. And according to the what the founders and framers wrote in their various pamphlets and, and papers and, and uh, arguments uh, during the formation of the country, the Second Amendment existed to keep an implicit check on government. Uh, and Im implicit meaning implied, right? It, it's not an overt threat. We're not in the streets for the most part. We're not in the streets, you know, marching with our rifles held high and pitchforks and torches and things like that. That's not what's going on. They realize that they can only push the citizenry so far before, one, the citizenry actually takes up arms and revolt, or two, 
just basically does what we're doing right now, which is living quiet civil disobedience. We talked about the New York uh, SAFE Act, the, which is their assault weapons ban, and the Connecticut uh, assault weapons ban that came in after Newtown. How the basically the compliance rate with those two laws is excruciatingly low. Less than 5% in New York. By their own admission, the state of New York acknowledges that less than 5% of the citizens who they think have assault weapons have either turned them in or registered them or doing whatever the law says that they're doing. The rest of them basically said no. And in fact, the state troopers, uh, the one of the, the leadership of the New York state troopers basically uh, testified in front of the uh, legislature at one point when the legislature was lamenting the fact that they had such a low compliance rate. And the troopers basically said, if you want to go into these people's houses and try and seize their guns, you go ahead. We're not going to do because they understand what's going to they understand that slippery slope. Again, it is the implicit threat of firearms ownership. And quite honestly, it's the one thing that scares politicians overall. That's why you see such a heavy push to try and take away. I mean, they talk about weapons of war, right? We've heard that's the that's the latest thing about assault weapons and everything else is that they are weapons of war. Well, so is my lever action Winchester. That was a weapon of war that was used to win the West and fight. Uh, so is, you know, the, my Garand or my M14 or, uh, you know, my 3040 Craig or my, you know, or my Remington 700. That's an M24 sniper rifle platform. That's a weapon of war. I mean, all of the this whole idea of weapons of. But see, that terrifies them because they don't want to see pushback on laws where they feel like they know better than us how we should be living our lives and doing all these things. And that's why they're pushing it. It is the only thing that has held the size and scope of government in check in the United States. And I'm happy to say that we're seeing more and more people embrace the idea of an armed society. I was talking about this in the last hour. CNN has come out and said that from 2019 to 2021, in just under a two-year period, we saw um, 7.5 million people bought more guns than that were bought. But of that group of people who bought guns, 7.5 million of them, 3% uh, that 7.5 million people bought guns for the first time in that two-year period. Half the gun owners were female, 20% were black, 20% were Hispanic. That's a huge, huge number. We've seen a huge number of progressives uh, and Democrats who during the uncertainty and the unrest uh, in the 2020s, during the pandemic and the George Floyd thing and the Breonna Taylor thing and all that stuff, they were all very worried, and we saw a huge uptick and upsurge in purchases from what would considered what would normally be considered part of the anti-gun crowd when they discovered that they were probably going to be on their own and they were very worried about being able to protect themselves, and they became converts. There are no atheists in the foxhole, right? There are when when the chips are down, and I still I have that I have the picture somewhere, the quote of the tweet of the liberal Twitter guy who was always on and on about gun control and everything else. And his shocked tweet when they were having some unrest right outside their apartment and wherever they were. And he said, the police told them, I'm sorry, sir, you're on your own. 
because they were overwhelmed dealing with other stuff. And they said, I'm sorry, sir, you're on your own. And he was just shocked. I mean, I guess rightly so for people who believe that, you know, the government's always going to be there to help you and always get there's always going to be a cop on every corner and all these other kind of misnomers and myths that we are inundated with. When he heard the dispatcher tell him that you are on your own, uh, <clears throat> I would say that the pucker factor was probably pretty high at that point because he realized that he had ad now. Is he going to change his stance on guns? Probably not. But you got to imagine that there's that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, realizing that you have no way to defend yourself against some kind of violent or criminal element who doesn't care about the laws. They've got all the guns they want if they wanted them or they've got all the mobs they want with bricks and bats and everything else if they wanted them. And you have no way to defend yourself. That is uh, now that was probably a shocking uh, you know, a shocking uh, thing. But that's why the fight over the Second Amendment is so important. That's why the statistics like this where, you know, seven and a half, eight million new gun owners coming online is a great thing. Whether you agree with them politically or not, it's a great thing. It's why, uh, you know, we should be fighting. It's why, you know, the Bruin decision is such a landmark decision and I think is going to be it, I think we may look back at that and mark that as one of the major turning points in the war on guns. I mean, Heller was important, McDonald was important, but Bruin was the decision that I think is going to break the back of the gun control movement because they're going to realize that they can't just arbitrarily decide that it's for the health and general welfare kind of clause. There has to be historical precedent. You have to show, you know, you have to protect the individual rights. If a firearm is in common use, lawful common use, it can't be outlawed. Uh, I mean, they've done that with handguns to say handguns are in lawful common use. You have got over 20, what, 24 million estimated AR-15s in this country. 24 million, which means that, you know, with the number of actual crimes committed with them being so significantly low, we're talking about, you, you know, we're not even talking hardly triple digits. Out of 24 million, that means that they are in lawful common use in this country. Uh, and so it's going to be a very high bar to try and change these things. But that's why it's so important to talk about uh, these firearms and these efforts, uh, because it is the one thing that has kept America as free as it has. Now, little bit of a depressing conversation with J.D. Tuchili off the air. Um and uh, I want to uh, talk about this. Oh, Donna. Uh, I'm sorry. Donna was, uh, I didn't see her pop in. Donna, if you want to jump back in there, we'll get you on here in just a hot second. Uh, Donna Anthony is going to be joining us here in just a second uh, as soon as we uh, as soon as soon we get on this. I was away from the screen and I got on a rant and I didn't see Donna pop up into the green room. So Donna, feel free to log back in there. Um, <clears throat> but one of the reasons why we need to continue to fight for this is because we are going to be at one point on our own. I mean, I, I, I believe that at this point because the politicians do not have the foresight to pull back on the stupidity that they're trying to push in this nation. Now, whether that is more laws of control, be it gun laws or some other type of control, or whether it's financial issues. I mean, this continued push to raise and increase our debt ceiling and not rein in our spending and our debt. I mean, the fact that the, that Saudi Arabia now, for the first time, 
uh, started transacting uh, oil transactions in the yuan instead of the dollar. Uh, I mean, that should be a that's a canary in a coal mine moment, folks. And I know we're getting far afield of firearms specifically, but if the U.S. dollar stops being the world reserve currency, things will fundamentally change in this country and not for the better. And so you best be aware of what's going on and you best be uh, paying attention to what's happening. Because, again, as J.D. said, many of these politicians are just stupid, uh, but some are just so cynical that they don't care as long as they remain in power. They don't care if they know a law may be unconstitutional. They know they may know a law has no um you know, has really is going to have no effect. They just want to be seen doing something by those that continue to keep them and hold them in power. It's about power in in the long run. Uh, I mean, that's that whole thing about 4% of the entire population are basically sociopaths and uh, sociopaths are drawn to positions of power. And that's why you will find many politicians with sociopathic or uh, narcissistic tendencies, because that's I mean, there's a whole thing on this. Doug Casey did a whole thing on this about 15 years ago where he writes about this, and I covered it pretty extensively. But, I mean, it's it's the bottom line. They care about power, uh, a lot of them. Some of them are just stupid. There's a few good ones sprinkled in there as well. But the bottom line is it's a whole total thing. All right. Uh, Donna Anthony's trying to call me, uh, so we're going to talk to her here in just a second. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk with Donna Anthony here, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure you like and share, like and follow. Come on out and join us on Facebook and YouTube. We will be back with more in just a moment. It is Firearms Friday on The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking gun radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, talk amongst yourselves for a second. I got to figure this out with Donna. I'll be uh, I'll be right back. Hold on. Hold, hold the line. Just one second. Be right back. Donna should be joining me here in just a hot second, uh, and we'll get things going on. Heller, Bruin, et al. were all preordained. Our patience will pay off as the Supreme Court hears all of these appeals. For now, it's FAFO, which is um, fool around and find out. Freak around and find out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an is-you. It's an is-you. Let me... Uh, let me let me copy this here and drop this over to Donna just in case she's having a hard time with it. Let me uh, go over here. And uh, there we go. Uh, okay. 
Um, try this one. Okay, I'm just giving her the link again in a different form. Hopefully she continues with us here and we will be seeing her in just a second. Okay. Um, so Donna Anthony is uh, going to be joining us here in just a moment. And we'll be talking with her uh, about, she's got a class coming up on church security and other things. All right. The Sharps carbine was standard issue for our soldiers in the Civil War. Seven shot repeating rifles, says Greg. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, weapons of war, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Because pretty much every weapon at one point has been a weapon of war. Um, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. Every weapon has been a weapon of war. Uh, all right, Donna Anthony, I see her here in the chat room. She's uh, ready to go. Uh, we are about uh, two minutes from returning to the radio, so let's jump over here and uh, turn the music off here. We'll get uh, we'll get squared away to get things sorted out with her. Uh, good morning, Miss Donna. How are you, my friend? What's happening? Good morning. I'm at the shooting range, ready to go. Oh well, all see, the gear. In it's, back. I mean, hey, you know, any day at the range is better than any day at the office. Well, wait, the range <laughs> is your office. How does that work? I mean, that's just that's just you got the lucky, the lucky. Um, all right, so we're all ready to talk about this, and uh, we'll be uh, jumping into this in just a hot second. Uh, we're about a minute and a half out, so I'm not going to lose you here. I'm just going to hold you in back in the green room. I'll be right back to you. Don't go, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We're going to find out more. Donna Anthony in the green room right now, hanging out with us. Um, and uh, let's see what's going on. Richard says, isn't New York the place where some ass clown went nuts in McDonald's and started attacking people with a hammer? And of course, Nancy Pelosi's husband having his underwear hammer fight club incident. It's interesting. They haven't come out with a sweeping legislation to ban assault hammers. Again, assault weapon is a politically created fiction there. I mean, it really is. Again, uh, the old adage, I remember the old ad. This is back when the assault weapons ban was about to expire um, in uh, in 2003, 2004. And somebody took out an ad in the in one of the big national papers where it had four different AR-15s in low you know, side views of four different AR-15s. And they said, one of these is illegal. Do you know which one? They all shoot the same bullet. They all, I mean, it's just this whole thing where one of them had features on it that made it illegal. And it was like, it was just highlighting the ridiculousness of this. And it's the same thing, like with this thing with Washington State and Inslee. I mean, again, this does nothing to curb all of the firearms that are already in circulation and already in place. Again, uh, uh, you know, black, black rifles have a, a fractional, fractional amount of violence done with them compared to handguns. So this is really going to, this is much ado about nothing. This is much, it's just, it's a continual problem. Continual problem. All right. I'm going to stop jumping around here. We're going to jump back into it. Uh, we've got Dana Anthony, our guest, Point Blank Firearms. Uh, we're going to talk with her about her upcoming clinic and more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? Does that mean that if we hurt your feelings, you should consider the Michael Dukes show assault radio? <laughs> okay, we can accept that. Here's Michael Dukes. Kind of a dick, but somewhat funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat funny. I mean, kind of. 
Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, we are continuing now our Firearms Friday discussion. I so rudely ignored Donna Anthony at the top of the hour. Um, uh, she was supposed to come on and join us, and she's with us right now to discuss uh, some of the things that she's doing here in the state of Alaska. Donna Anthony, uh, the owner of Point Blank Firearms and Self-Defense, a certified trainer, law enforcement, yada, yada. She's got all the bells and whistles behind her name, and she's here today to talk with us about a big event she's got coming up uh, to help out you and your church security and more. Good morning, Donna. How are you doing? Good morning, brother. How are you? You know, it's Friday. There's just no better it's day. Friday. Than, there's no better day. TGIFF. There's <laughs> no better day than a Friday, uh, whether it's just because it's the weekend or because I get a chance to talk about my favorite topic, uh, et cetera. Uh, Donna, um, so tell us what's uh, what's going on. You're out and about. You're you're doing training. You're making things happen. What do you got going on? Well, I, I just wanted to add a little something to what you heard this morning. I heard you talking about uh uh, law enforcement and them not showing up and because you know I'm still in law enforcement now but right. I want people to understand I just I had to touch this topic when we had COVID uh, the response time out here in the valley was even decreased because we had officers out with COVID dispatch was out with COVID we were backing each other up there wasn't enough officers so when things get bad you guys are your first responders so just remember that the officers are working hard to help you but you are your own first responder so i just want to make sure i brought that little topic up i heard well right so. it reminds me of the old saying that i've said for years is why do i carry a gun because carrying a cop is too heavy i can't have one around <laughs> with me all the time right and so yeah, you absolutely. you are responsible you are your own first line of defense in you any are. situation so uh, yep. And that's what you teach people, right? To be their first line of defense. Well, absolutely. And, you know, Anchorage is great because, I mean, you get an incident and I love watching APD, man. When they go to a call, they've got like 10 officers there. We don't even have that for Palmer Police. You know, uh, we might have three officers on a shift. Uh, troopers sometimes we might have five to six, depending if we have a bunch of FTOs. Um, but, you know, the farther you get out, less response for law enforcement. So you need to know that. Yeah, absolutely. Now you go ahead and you've 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 given people the opportunity to learn on their own. I mean, you teach you teach firearms training for law enforcement, yeah. but you also teach it for civilians. You have yep. your own uh, shooting simulator, which is well, that's a lot of fun, terrifying, but a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not scared of anything, and I went in after that thing, and after I got done, I was like, "Ooh, I was a little spooked." That was uh, that was that was pretty realistic, and. Uh, but you, yeah. you, you've got lots of tools and things like that, and you are putting something together for folks who want to be safe while they're worshiping. Give us uh, give us some details here. Yeah, so I, you know, I've been a guest speaker for the last six years for USCCA nationally and a couple other uh, companies, and I do it traveling in the lower 40. I thought, you know what, why don't I just do it for the state of Alaska since you know I travel and do this? And you know, with all the uh, active shooters, every time you get one, you get a couple more right after because you know, kind of. We say the name and we give other people ideas of, hey, maybe I should be an active shooter. I could get attention. Right. And right now, churches are a, a big topic right now. There's an attack on our churches, uh, always attack on our schools. But just so people know, active shooters are more in workplace than there are schools. You just see it more in the media that, you know, you think is schools. But right. so we decided we decided to put a seminar together here. So we're going to be doing it uh, July, tw July 21st and 22nd. And I can't say active shooter training because I get banned all the time on Facebook. So it's a uh, church awareness security training. That's what we've changed. We changed the name so I don't get blocked all the time. But it'll be a seminar. It's four hours each. You'll do online training prior. And basically what you're going to get is we're going to teach you with some blue gun drills on how to work your way through a hallway to rooms by yourself or as a team with your security team. 
Then we'll do the simulator. We'll have two simulators uh, available for the training, and then we'll do some reality-based force-on-force training. So we'll we'll show you what works and what doesn't work. And this is for groups, small groups, churches, worship groups. Uh, I mean, you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, basically, because many churches, obviously, especially smaller ones, you know, they're not thinking about security necessarily, or even some of the larger ones may not be thinking about or can't afford security. But as we've seen with things like uh, Genia Rahm down in Colorado here, what was that, a dozen years ago or whatever, and other places where uh, local parishioners volunteer to run security for these events, because as you said, churches are big targets. I mean, there yeah. are, you know, there have been many attacks on churches and synagogues and things like that uh, because they expect a lot of people to be there and they don't expect them to be armed. And uh, it's unfortunate. This is the kind of training that we need. Right. And we don't want to be gun free zones either. So there's a way to do it. So we have our ushers, our greeters are normally unarmed and we have our normally our armed security are in plain clothes. We don't wear a little pat, a little pin saying I'm security unarmed or armed. Uh, there's different ways of doing tactical to have the tactical advantage to to work as a team, and we'll we'll share that, but not on the air. Yeah, so. no, no, that's fine, and, and I and I agree with that. I mean, I solved that solution by basically telling people wherever I'm at, it's not a gun free zone. Just remember that whenever yeah. you see me, it's not a gun free zone, uh, because uh, you know that's the important. You know, here's the thing, and you, I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I know I've discussed this many times <clears throat> with uh, different stru- instructors and trainers, and in some of the classes that I've taught, is that. You know, you got to it's it's not just a when it's convenient thing. When you've decided to go forth armed, you need to exercise that daily, you know, pretty much just become second nature, because you'll never know that one time when you're like, well, I'm wearing my gym shorts and a T-shirt and I'm going down to the corner store for a gallon of milk. And that might be the time that somebody decides to hold the bodega up or whatever. And you'll be like, well, I feel stupid now. It's got to be a commitment of something like that. If you've already invested the time, the effort, the energy into training and all this stuff, you've got to make a commitment to yourself and to those around you that you're willing to protect and 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 help them and yourself in those kind of situations. Yeah, and good news. I mean, the churches up here in Alaska are really getting more involved. I mean, I've been teaching this for a couple of years and we we're busy at Homer. We had some a uh, couple of churches involved there up here in the valley. They're really getting involved. Um, we've done probably 10 different churches up here right now. Um, they've had incidents here in the valley as well. You just don't hear about them. But the issue is always funding. The churches don't have the funding. So we try to do it. A lot of times I just volunteer and we let them come in and do like uh, bring their their team in, do some simulator training. Doesn't cost me anything. It's just my time. Bring the team in and they're coming up with some plans. You've got Sheepdog Sheepdog with uh, Lieutenant Dave Grossman, Jimmy Meeks. They're fantastic. If you're into church security, uh, they've got some great lesson plans. They've got policy procedures for your church security. But we'll give all that at the seminar. Right. So the seminar is July the 10th. Where is it? Uh, where do we have to be? Where is it at? What are we? What? Sure. July 21st and 22nd. You can go online to pointblankak.com. Uh, you've got four different uh, sessions to sign up for. They're four-hour sessions. Prior to that, you'll do some online training because who wants to sit in a classroom and do PowerPoint? Uh, the online is about three hours at your own time. You can log in, log out, get you some history behind it, then come in and we'll do all the drills. That'll be good. Interesting that you said that uh, you can't talk the whole active shooter thing on Facebook kind of thing, which is really surprising to me because you are trying to prevent tragedy, prevent death, trying to protect people. And yet you can't talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, I use the term active shooter on Firearms Friday frequently because we're talking about those kind of things. I haven't gotten the strike, but I'm not trying to promote it or do anything else like that. It's it's frustrating when we're getting muzzled in those kind of things in the in the arena of trying to help people protect themselves and their loved ones. 
No, you're absolutely correct. I, right when COVID ha happened, I got banned from teaching active shooter, uh, traveling in lower 48, and I've been blocked. I can't even promote or anything like that on my Facebook anymore. We've emailed Facebook and they won't work with us, but it's educational. We're like, we're trying to educate the community. We do active shooter response for uh, teachers as well in the lower 48. And that's something we're looking at doing here too. I don't know if you know that Shelly Bill or Shelly Hills is working on a bill to be able to pass a law where we can arm teachers, but just not arming teachers. I mean, there's more to it. It's right. a selected individual. Right. There's background check, they're training and there's, and nobody knows they're armed except for principal assistant, uh, the administrator, and they'll be working with law enforcement. That's a bill that she's trying to pass myself and I support it. Uh, but that probably won't be passed till hopefully next year. Well, Go ahead. And Faster Saved Lives are, if you look them up, Faster Saved Lives, they're in like 22 other states. They're already doing this program. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it, it makes no sense to me when you're actively trying to prevent tragedy. You're actively trying to educate people and save lives and make the place safer. Uh, and yet Facebook says no soup for you. That's uh, that's an astonishing thing uh, and an unfortunate commentary on what we have, what we're fighting against in this country right now. Well, not only that, I mean, if you go out towards Talkeetna or, or more remote areas, we don't have law enforcement response. You know as well as I do, an active shooter can be done within two to four minutes. That's the most critical point, and law enforcement's not going to be there in time. So yeah. when you get to these remote areas, those teachers might be the first responder while we're responding to a call. Yeah, when seconds count, the police are only yeah. minutes away, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. That's, that's the story. All right, Donna Anthony, pointblankfirearmsak.com, right? Point, is that, did I hit that right? You did. Yes, sir. All right. So that's where you go to find out more about the training on July the 21st. They've got all the details out there. Donna, I hope you have a great. She's at the range right now. She's teasing me. She's sitting at the range ready to go, teasing me in a big way. Yep. I hope you have yep. a great day today, Donna. Thank you for checking in with us. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Uh, appreciate, Thanks you, appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. Uh, all right. Uh, that's Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? I mean, I depend on I depend on uh, Facebook for a lot of stuff because we simulcast the radio show on Facebook. It's probably the biggest part of our online audience while we're doing the show. And yet Facebook doesn't like the fact that you talk about active shooters or, you know, active shooter training or anything. I mean, that that seems so counterintuitive. That's like we can't teach you about fire safety because people have died in fires and that there's arsonists out there. But we can't talk to you about fire safety, like where to place your smoke detectors and how to use your fire extinguishers and stop, drop and roll. We can't talk about any of that because reasons. I mean, what the what the actual hell, Facebook? What's wrong with you guys? Come on. People are trying to learn how to stay safe. You'd think you'd want to be part of that. Uh, it's it's absolutely, it's just, it's mind-blowing sometimes, the world we live in today with all the different things that are going on. Um, wow, that's it. I guess we came up right against the... Um, we came up right against the break, um, and we're going to jump over to it here in just a minute. Uh, Willie Waffle is going to be joining us. It is Firearms Friday. I didn't get to half the stuff I wanted to talk about today. That's okay. Next week, we will continue our discussions, and uh, you'll be here as well. But we got Willie Waffle coming up for the weekend movie review. That's all dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
Dang. Uh, okay, that was um, that was crazy. That was crazy. Um, all right, let's. Um, rocks have been different. We were talking. Rocks have been weapons of war. Well, Cain killed Abel with an AR-15. Didn't you hear? That was the thing. That's what they're bad from the beginning. Um. Yeah, Donna is spot on. You are your own first responder. Uh, that was actually me that said that, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's true. It's true. When seconds count, the police are only minutes away. I think the response time to where I live out here on uh, out on Kanikus Bay is like 20 minutes or something. 20, 20, depending on where the trooper is, if there was a call, 20 minutes probably to get to my place. I mean, and as Donna said... Most shooter situations are over two minutes, four minutes, usually no more than four or five minutes. Um, you, you are, you're on your own. That's kind of what it's, that's kind of what it's all about. You are on your own. And most people don't realize, like, again, it goes back to that, what that guy was saying, um, that uh, guy, the, tw- the, tw- the Twitter, the liberal, the lib- liberal Twitter guy. You know, shocked that they just said, sorry, uh, sorry, sir, we can't send any officers. You're on your own. He was like, what? This is what happens when you create a dependency state. That's, you know, that's what happens when you create a dependency state. You create people who just assume that somebody is always going to be there to take care of the problem or the issue or whatever. And that's not. That's not how it works. That's not reality. Even if you've got, you know, one police officer for every, I remember at one point, the North Pole Police Department, Paul Harvey commented on this. So that shows you how long ago this was. I think this was 15 or 18 years ago. I actually heard it on Paul Harvey. I was just shocked that the city of North Pole out of Fairbanks had more police officers per capita than any other place in the country. And I think at that point it was, God, I want to say it was one for every 400 people or something. But in some cases, like City of New York, you're talking about one police officer for every 2,000 people. They just can't be everywhere at once. And Harold makes a point. Even in Alaska here, you got to watch for bears, even in the cities. Even in, I mean, Alaska will kill you, right? It's beautiful. It's lovely. The last frontier, it'll kill you. You got to think about that. I mean, look at the, just look at the last, the moose that have, I mean, moose walked into the hospital, moose walked into the movie theater down in Kenai, another one walked into somewhere. I mean, this is, this is going on all over the place, right? I mean, that is, you, you have to be ready for anything. In omnia paratus. That's, that's the slogan that's the slogan I had for uh, for one of my companies. In, in omnia paratus, ready for anything. You have to plan that way because you just don't know if there's going to be help or backup or anything else. You have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and be your own uh, and and be your own best line of defense for you, for your family, for your coworkers, for the people who are around you, for all of it. You got to do that. Oh, we got about two minutes. I need to change the, I need to be fancy, change the color. Ooh, hey, it's orange. Hey, it's blue. Hey, it's green. 
Hey, it's orange. Okay. No, it's orange. It's green, not orange. Uh, all right. We're going to be jumping into this here in just a hot second with Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. I'm waiting for the phone to buzz here on my desk so that we can get things out. Uh, new red flag bill in Juno. Donna says she forgot HB 162. Uh, she's dropped a link in the chat room. You can go uh, take take a take a look at that and do that. Chris says, I wish a moose would walk into my shop. My freezers are low on food. Shh. That's not legal, Chris. Don't tell anybody. That's the SSS, shoot, shovel, and shut up. Um, <clears throat> or in this case, it would be the slaughter, the freeze. The I don't know. I can't even think of an analogy for that, but it's. Okay. Shh. That's not um i live five minutes from the state troopers in fairbanks says amy good for you five minute response time i mean again with most active shooters tanked two to four minutes you're still one minute outside that but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're living next to a police department uh, or a, a, a you know or next to a trooper outpost or whatever i mean you just don't know how long it's going to take how long it's going to take for any of those things to go on um, okay. Uh, oh, phone is ringing. So we're ready to go. I'm going to get Willie up here. Get all squared away. Okay. I think we're ready. Let's jump into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Please like, and share this show, like, and follow the show page. Do all the YouTube things, subscribe, ring the bell. You know, the drill, make it all happen. Um, let's get to it. Common Sense Radio and Entertainment Stuff. Ooh, the weekend. Here we go. Well, okay, let's uh, dive in. <laughs> let's dive in with both feet. Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, the weekend movie review. I'm ready. You ready? Yes, he's ready. He, he's always ready. Ready for anything, right? That's your motto or something like that, Willie. I'm ready at any time, any way, any, any, any possibility, frankly. <laughs> You know, I'll I'll do movie reviews on the corner for a quarter. Yeah, yeah that's throw me right. a quarter. I'll that's tell you right. about a movie. Yeah, let's do it. Wait, you're giving somebody a discount. How am I not getting a discount? <laughs> I, just, uh, I suppose then I'd actually have to pay you on time and all that stuff. All right. Um, <laughs> Willy Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. we got the weekend movie reviews. We've got a bunch of stuff on the movie side, uh, streaming side. So we're going to bust through some quick uh, entertainment headlines. Sad news for all of you who love the trailer park shove and tell push and pull whatever it was called some sad news about the saint jerry springer right willie yes yes yesterday it was announced that jerry springer passed away at the age of 79 um he had cancer i don't believe he actually told anybody or made any kind of announcement about it and uh unfortunately uh finally passed uh, yesterday and you know i don't think you can say enough about his impact on television oh, yeah. and society and yeah. culture oh, yeah. enough. Whether, whether you think that was a negative or a positive. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the entire landscape changed. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of view him as the patron saint of we're going to just be real. Well, that's you know, the thing. And all of a sudden, yeah. yeah it, 
Yeah, yeah, all the violence came out, all the all the all the behavior that was shunned from television because we wanted to believe in something uh, higher and and better and more moral, all got thrown in the garbage. Yeah, well, he was kind of the father of reality TV. He really was in many yeah. many ways. Uh, and there were many imitators, Maury Povich and many others that tried to imitate it, even Dr. Phil to an extent. But, uh, yeah, there is one and only originator, and that is Jerry Springer. So sad news for his family, but uh, he left he left an imprint. He left a, that'll leave a mark. That's all I'm saying. That'll that'll leave a mark. So <laughs> speaking of uh, dead people, uh, Carrie Fisher. Uh, who we know passed away here before. It was the last Star Wars movie that they kind of wrote yeah, her like into. Six years ago. Yeah, yeah so, six but, years ago. But she's getting some good news on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. She got, her family got some good news. Yeah, um, finally, she has earned her star on the Walk of Fame. And the, uh, the Walk of Fame committee announced it uh, this week. Here we are, six years after her death. She will get her star on May the 4th. It'll be located a few feet away from Mark Hamill, and it will be across the street from her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Oh, well, that's sweet. I mean, she gets, you know, she gets uh, some... Uh... She gets some notification there. And the cool part is, is that her daughter, Billy Lord, who played a fairly significant supporting character role in the last Star Wars movie and has been doing some work herself, is going to accept it in her honor, right? Yeah, which I think is really nice. And I hope that they'll find a way to get Mark Hamill there as well. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if Harrison Ford could be there. I think his schedule's a little tighter. He's, right, he's, right. He's scheduled a little, little, little <clears throat> he's got a couple more things going on. Yeah, come Not on. Not Mark Hamill's. Not a well-known well yeah. actor who's earning a living. Yeah, but Mark Hamill, just go, he just goes into a sound booth for a couple hours a day and does a bunch of voice acting, and then he's done. So it's, it's all over. I'm sure that he can work it around his busy, busy schedule. Well, good for Carrie Fisher. I'm sure that'll be good. Now, you're a game show nerd. Um, I love them. And I don't know why. Um, I couldn't care less about game shows. But I remember watching them when I was a kid, the $25,000 Pyramid and Wheel of Fortune and many of these other ones, Family Feud. I saw Richard Dawson on an episode of yes. The Dick Van Dyke Show the other day, and it was bugging me. My <laughs> wife was watching old episodes of Dick Van Dyke, and I'm like, who is that guy? Who is? It's totally bothering me. Who is that? It was Richard Dawson. Looking young and svelte and smooth and talking in a British accent, and it was Richard freaking Dawson. I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that is just crazy. Uh, anyway, so big game show nerd, uh, and you've got good news because you get kind of the mashup here. Wheel of Fortune has got a big celebrity edition. Give me the deets here. This is going to be a showdown to end all showdowns. It is the matchup of the greatest game show hosts or game show personalities you can ever imagine. Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, May 10th, will feature a showdown between Jeopardy's Ken Jennings. Right. Jeopardy's Mayim Balik. And <laughs> Vanna White. Vanna White. Vanna White is taking them on in Wheel of Fortune. She She's leaving her spot by the letters. She's going to play. She's going to spin the wheel. And I'm telling you right now, I think she's going to win. Oh, I was just going to ask, does she have to spin the wheel and then go turn the letters, or what's the deal, you know? Cause, uh, oh, man, that would be mean if they made her do double duty. I know, double duty oh. for them. <laughs> so this sounds like two Jeopardies and a White is what it sounds like. you got two Jeopardy hosts and Vanna White. Team, they're dog, they're dog, dog, dog piling her. I don't like that. I think uh, she's got to no, be the underdog you know of this. 
She might be the underdog, but I, I'm telling you, I think she, I think she's the favorite because she knows the game. She knows how they put the puzzles together. Right. Hey, guess what, buddy? Sometimes she creates the puzzles Ooh. and they put them on the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so this is all going down when? This is on May 10th. May 10th, Celebrity Jeopardy. Is it a special time or the same or normal? Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Uh, I want to say, is that, uh, that's got to be like, a, I want to say that's a, uh, is that a Saturday? It has to be It a must be a Saturday or something. No, it's a, actually it, May 10th no. is, a th is a Thursday. It's a Wednesday. Oh, so it's going to be Wednesday in, I think it's in prime time on oh, ABC. Okay. All right. Well. Okay, will... we're, okay. Maybe I should have done more research that's about okay. the story. You were just stuck on Vanna maybe, White. That was a problem. You I heard... was just so excited that all three of them were going to be facing off. Against Vanna White. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, you'll have to report back on how it is because you know I'm not going to watch it. So it's fine. It's uh, it's okay. Um, It'll be all over the news, baby. Yeah. All over the news. Uh, kind of emotionally slow week in entertainment, but that's good because we got four big titles to talk about for the streaming and the theaters. Tell me where you want to start off here. You know, I'm going to start off with uh, the chance for you and I to, you know, get in touch with our feelings, big oh, guy. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. We can talk about our vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. our doubts. I'm our super vulnerable pain. right now. I'm super vulnerable right now. Please don't hurt me. Go ahead. It's, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Okay. Yes, the, the famous, famous book yep. about an 11-year-old girl struggling with her new school, her new house, and uh, all sorts of new changes that mm. are occurring. Little puberty thing yes. going on there, huh? Yeah, uh, it's okay. happening. All right. Uh, it's a so it is a it is a, a, a technical. It's an, of a novel, right? It's a, I, I can't yeah. remember the name now. As, as Judy Bloom, Judy Bloom, as seen in a book somewhere. Um, what it's in theaters. What are your thoughts? It's actually very charming and very sweet. And, 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 you know, what I really liked about it is it doesn't have kind of that, that modern crassness. There's no Jerry Springer right. in this, this movie, baby. <laughs> it, it, it really does make you, it takes you back to the seventies and, and, you know, how kids were when they weren't as knowledgeable and sassy and they didn't, they didn't have all the information at their fingertips. And, you know, there was still mystery in being a child. And I feel right. you get that here, especially with, with this young gal, this Abby Ryder Fortson, who's just fantastic. And she just makes you feel every emotion, all the sadness, all the fear, all the excitement, all the confusion. I'm going three and a half waffles. Wow. Okay. All right. But I'm definitely going to have to get in touch with my, sensitive side which i left around here somewhere but I'll, I'll i'll dig it up and find it somewhere it'll be fine three and a half waffles are you there god it's me margaret okay in theaters what's next well then we have big george foreman mm. and there's a whole other part of this title it's like big george foreman the the what the, the 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 journey from being a championship boxer to you know being heavyweight champion again it, it's it just call it big george foreman okay okay, okay. it's got like <laughs> and, a massive subtitle right okay yeah I mean, like, you know, you can't put this on a marquee. There's just not enough any, anywhere there. But it is it is the true story of George Foreman. And, and you, those of us who know the story, 
it is quite amazing. Oh yeah, and and it really it really does take you from the beginning, from you know his 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 the way he grew up. He grew up very poor, and 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 grew up uh, you know in a rough rough part of the of the world, in a rough rough way of life. Right, you know, goes into the army. He learns how to box. Goes to the Olympics. You know, then he becomes a professional boxer. He becomes the heavyweight champion, and then it all falls apart. He loses right. that championship. Right. He almost loses his life. And uh, he turns himself over to God. And, you know, we, we, we see that. And then we see the, the comeback, you know, the, the way that he rebuilt his life, the way he tried to make amends, the way he became a preacher. And then because he was broke, I mean, he was brokey broke, broke. Right. He had to go back into boxing. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and, and, you know people who know George Foreman, when he was the champion, he looked like a Greek god. This dude was just muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles, right, right. and you were afraid to look at him because he could beat the living daylights out of you. Because he, as they explain in the movie, he had a lot of anger back then. Right, right. But when he made his come, when he made his comeback, you know, he looked he looked more like you and me, man. <laughs> a little, little pudgy, a little pudgy, a little pudgy, a little pudgy, and you know, and somehow you know, fighting in an age when you know, gosh, most people couldn't couldn't even imagine fighting let alone winning the championship of the world he he made another run for it yeah you know i I, it really is kind of it's a boxing movie but it's also a story of faith and it's a faith-based story and it's about him turning his life around and 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 what this positivity and what his belief in god you know helped him you know achieve and move forward and move away from things that he wasn't proud of Right. Even though everybody would think those were his heydays, right. those were the greatest days for him. I, I, I'm going to say like two and a half waffles. I think you got a good solid movie here. Good, good. All right. Well, it's always good to see a good. Everybody loves a good comeback story, um, yeah. especially when it's true to life. That's uh, that's the best part. All right. What's up next? Well, and then we also have Peter Pan and Wendy. Okay. It's streaming on Disney Plus. Yes, the live action version of Peter Pan. The remake of a remake of a. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're never going to stop. And and in this one, I think you can kind of call this one the story of Captain Hook, because they got Jude Law to play Captain Hook. Therefore, they had to make the part a little bit bigger, a right. little bit deeper, a little bit more significant. And and they really do deep dive really deep into his history and his background, how he became the villain that we see before him. And uh, you know, there's not as much focus on Wendy and Peter, but the story is still there. You know, they go off to Neverland. The Lost Boys are fighting against Captain Hook. We wonder if they'll be able to survive and all that. You you get all that. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It's more woke than ever. Of course there's, it is. You know, it's Disney. Of course of it's stuff. more woke than Disney. There's, yeah, there's a lot of Disney. There's a lot of Disney happening in this Disney movie, guys. Uh, so, you know, hey, take it for what it's worth. You either are in or out. If that bothers you. If you want to see like the traditional Peter Pan, hey, go 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 get that DVD, find it on Disney Plus. You know, you know, don't watch this, okay? Right, right. Uh, I think it mostly, I think it mostly sticks to the story. I don't think it's really trying to appeal to adults. It's really trying to be more of a kids movie right. for kids. I'll, I'll go like three waffles. For three Peter waffles, Pan really? Movie. Okay. I mean, if yep. I wanted to go watch Captain Hook's backstory, I'd go watch Hook with Dustin Hoffman. Then, and which was, you know. 
a, a movie that was that was not appreciated in its time. Oh, it's a great movie though. I mean, you know, I agree. Yeah, uh, Robin Williams and uh, and Rufio and and Bob Hoskins, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin yeah. Hoffman. I mean, it's got some great actors. It's a great movie. That's I think they outdid themselves with that one, and they should have just stopped. But hey, that's just me. I don't work for Disney, so it's all good. Uh, we're down <laughs> to the last ninety seconds or here, so we missed one from last week, and I've been really kind of wanting to talk about it because I watched a couple of the trailers and I'm like, wow, this looks. Mrs. Davis, it's on uh, Peacock, I think. Give me the give me the rundown here. Yep, this is on Peacock. It's a, it's a series. I think it's going to go ten episodes, and uh, you know they they have like the first four out there, and then one every week uh, until they finally run all of them. Boom. And yes, it it is it is a nun who has decided that she is going to be fighting the greatest power known to mankind in this world, an artificial intelligence known as Mrs. Davis that seems to control everything. But this nun wants to live off the grid, man. She wants to be left alone. She doesn't believe in this stuff. And it keeps chasing her and chasing her and chasing her. And now she's fighting back. She's joining the cowboy resistance. She's trying to outwit it at every turn. She's using all of her connections with the powers above. Oh, wow. But she has to make a deal. If she can find the Holy Grail, Mrs. Davis says she'll leave her alone. Okay. I mean, this seems like a pretty crazy... The trailer was, like, all over the place. I'm like, well, this looks wild. I don't know what this is, oh. but give me the rundown quickly here, a minute. The show is all over the all over the place, too. I mean, the show is crazy. I mean, just every twist and turn that you can never see coming. This is not a predictable show on any level, and that's what's so exciting. It's just all of a sudden they just announced, well, this happened, and you're like, wait, wait a minute. I didn't see that coming. Wait, wait, and so, you know... Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and and it's very, it's highly imaginative. It is so, so daring and so original and so wild. I'm telling you, this is the four waffle. Four oh, waffle wow. Okay. Well, hey, I want something new, man. Give me something new. Don't rehash something else. This sounds like just the ticket. It's called Mrs. Davis. It's on Peacock. We should go watch it this weekend. Hey, buddy. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Appreciate you joining me. You got it. Next week, it's uh. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Folks, we're out of time. We gotta go. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, okay, uh, it's tech, it's the thing, it's the nun, there's there's the resistance fighters, she's fighting back, it's just, I just, just like, man, this thing is all, I couldn't even figure it out, and I'm like, but this, I'm peaked, my interest is peaked, and that's what I want, something that's new, something that's different, something that's not a rehash of something that I've watched 53 times before, and... I mean, I hope it does well, because, my God, that's what we need more of, is more original ideas. Yeah, you just need something that's going to knock your socks off. Yeah. You know, and, and that that's what's so exciting about it. And, you know, it's not doing it with the tech. It's not doing it with the special effects. It's it's not doing it with anything other than, you know, Betty Gilpin, who I think is a great actress. It's doing it with some great writing. It's doing it with imagination. And, and you know, and every time there's some big reveal, my jaw drops. It's just didn't see that coming, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. And you almost have to just like suspend all disbelief because it, it it's it's a sci-fi show. Right. But it, it's 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 sci-fi, it's fantasy, it's just everything. Yeah, it's spiritual, it's sci-fi, it's fantasy, it's supernatural, it's everything. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I want to watch it right now. I'm gonna wait for all the episodes to drop because that's the kind of guy I am. All right. 
Well, Willie, thank you, my friend. Look forward to Guardians next week. We'll see you then, okay? All right. See you next week. All right, folks. We got more coming up on Monday. Emma Camp from Reason Magazine is going to be joining us and somebody else, maybe. We'll see what happens. We got to go, though. I hope you have a great weekend. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show